Welcome to episode 119 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at the two-parter Patient X and The Red and the Black, which were season 5 episodes 13 and 14. The action takes place in a mixture of Kazakhstan, Virginia, and Pennsylvania, and the IMDb user scores have risen from 8.3 and 8.4 to 8.5 and 8.6 out of 10, respectively. So this is a two-parter where both parts were written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz. Part one was directed by Kim Manners, while part two was directed by Chris Carter. Chris Carter typically directed just the fifth episode of each season, so it's unusual to see him direct one this late, and it turns out he did it, not because he wanted to direct this one in particular, but because Rob Bowman, who had been lined up to do it, was unable to do it as planned because he was busy doing reshoots for the movie. And some of those reshoots involved David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, which is part of the reason they were split up for part of the story, was to make the actors available. And we're going to see more of that planned availability in the next episode that we cover. So this episode introduces a new faction of aliens. We also learn that the Russians have a working vaccine, that the cigarette-smoking man is alive, and that the cigarette-smoking man has an ex-wife and son. During the course of this episode, we also find out that Mulder's faith in alien abductions is really at its lowest point until late in the second season, while Skelly is starting to take on more of the role of the believer, because this ties directly to her experiences. We also see divisions within the syndicate. They're trying to decide whether to resist or serve, resist or serve actually being the tag that replaces the truth is out there in the red and the black, since now that the rebel aliens that are out there trying to prevent colonization have started an all-out war, and Russia has a working vaccine, while now resistance actually seems possible, whereas it didn't before. And we also see that Marita Kovarubias is really looking out for herself more than anyone else. But really the big reveal is that Jeffrey Spender, an FBI agent who's also the son of a multiple alien abductee, is the cigarette-smoking man's son. So the guest cast features Nick Lee, as Krychek, Mitch Pileggi as Skinner, Laurie Holden as Marita Kovarubias, Brian Thompson as one of the alien shapeshifters, in this case the Rebels, Jim Jansen as Dr. Heitz Verber, John Neville as the well-manicured man, Don S. Williams as the first elder, and Chris Owens, all in returning cast roles. Uh, Chris Evans is the only one who's coming back to play a new character for the first time, particularly Jeffrey Spender. Owens had previously been seen as the Young Cigarette Smoking Man and the Great Mutado. This is the first time that Veronica Cartwright appears on the X-Files. Here she plays Cassandra Spender. So Cartwright is probably best known for her work in Alien, The Birds, The Witches of Eastwick, and the 1978 version of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She is an alien abductee who's saying that, yeah, there are some aliens who are here to help us and want to move us on to the next spot. She's named after the mythological Cassandra who was cursed to speak truth prophecies but never be believed. So this episode is really laying groundwork on the myth arc, especially as that first movie was approaching, since it was going to be out at the end of the season. So we get a better understanding of the syndicate motives, or it's more survival with elements of personal gain, but primarily survival. And we also learn that there's dissent among the aliens and war has started. The war is taking place by having them tap into the chips that the abductees have to call them to certain places earlier than anticipated, but not for removal for colonization, instead they're being wiped out. So the aliens have some kind of radioactive blowtorch weapon that just destroys everything. But really, 
The part that is a major piece for the viewers is the existence of the Spender family and the connections to the cigarette smoking man. That's even more so than the confirmation that the cigarette smoking man was alive, even though the last time we saw him he was presumed dead, but it was one of those, yeah, there's no body, but there was so much blood, we just assume it had to, to be fatal. And a lot of this new information wasn't even revealed to Mulder and Scully. It was just revealed to the viewers through the actions of the Syndicate, Kovarubias, Krychek, and others. There were a number of scenes in this that were not focused on Mulder and Scully. So it, it is nice to see all this being pieced together. These are two of the more enjoyable myth arc episodes, at, not just because I'm a Blue Oyster Cult fan and The Red and the Black, the title for part two, was inspired by the Blue Oyster Cult song. This is because we see a lot of forward momentum and they're packing a lot into these two because this was an era where they didn't want to get heavily serialized in television because even at this point, TV on DVD wasn't really a thing. There were syndicated reruns, but you couldn't guarantee that everyone was watching every episode in order like you can in the Netflix and binge-watching era of today. So instead of spending five minutes per episode, every episode moving the overall plot forward, we were getting it condensed into just a couple episodes at a time. And because this was a shortened season, we didn't really have an opening season premiere multi-parter, and then November sweeps, and then the spring and February sweeps that we were getting here. Instead, we just got that one November two-parter, and then this was the one later in the season. So when I say later in the season, specifically these two episodes aired March 1st and 8th, 1998. So that's where we're at for the ongoing plot. There's even possibly the implication that Krychek is working with the rebel aliens, so he is working for this faction that was just introduced. The other thing that we do like to look at is the science. So how does this science work? Well, given the crevices that we've seen the black oil creeping through before, I don't see how sewing the eyes and mouths shut of shapeshifters is going to be effective, especially since they seem to be more like props. The blind rebel aliens who had their eyes sewn shut still had no problems guiding themselves through the human victims that they were killing. So apparently they don't need eyes to see. It makes sense that shapeshifters would have some other way of perceiving their surroundings, and that looking at things is just part of the shapeshifting. So that I don't have a problem with shapeshifters that are able to perceive their surroundings without the pieces of them that look like the organs we're used to. If you've accepted shapeshifters at all, it makes sense that they'd have some other type of sense. I'm more concerned with their radioactive blowtorches, because they do look like regular blowtorches. We've got fire. You hear people talking about nuclear fire, but that's really not a thing. I mean, yeah, severe exposure to radiation can evaporate the water within a body, leave them charred and carbonized like these guys were, but you're not going to do that by tapping something and letting them burn. That is going to be combustion. The nuclear fires they speak of are intense flashes of energy that don't involve combustion whatsoever. It is primarily gamma rays with other neutrons and other released particles that will drive these results. And they will cause the tissue damage and cause the burning, but it's not going to produce flame. That is specific to combustion. It's what happens when you're pulling oxygen out of the air. And just tapping someone with that weapon wouldn't spark that reaction. Now, if they weren't trying to pretend that they were radioactive blowtorches and leaving the radiation signature, then I'd be okay with it. I mean, they didn't find any accelerant, but there's no reason that a race that's developed interstellar travel wasn't also able to develop an effective accelerant that burns off completely 
leaving absolutely no trace behind, or perhaps leaves behind traces that human science doesn't yet know to look for. So that part, you know, they, the weapons, if they weren't described as radioactive, I wouldn't have an issue with them. They could just be very effective accelerants in those torches. But radiation just doesn't produce visible flame like that. So that's about all we have to say about this two-parter. Join us again in two weeks' time when we take a look at Travelers, when we hear another first case of the X-Files. This is the one that's probably going to be more canonical than that Shapes that we saw in Season 1, just because of the guest stars and what that particular guest star meant to Chris Carter as a child, but more on that next time. In the meantime, please feel free to share links to the show with friends who feel may be interested. It really does help the shows get noticed if you share those links or review them on iTunes, Stitch, or whatever podcatcher you use. And finally, thank you for listening.